0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 856.
1: Yeah, my mantra is always stay ahead of it. Always stay ahead of your maintenance. Always stay ahead of your obligations and requirements. Always stay ahead of it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring
0: automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello automotive enthusiasts! I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dan Chambers. Hey Dan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right, let's have some fun. Dan Chambers is the owner of Chambers Environmental in San Diego, California, my old hometown. It's a specialty business where he combines his passion for the environment by helping his customers with their needs. Dan's bigger passions, of course, is in the world of cars and driving fast. He's an active Porsche Club of America, PCA time trials competitor, and driving instructor. He served on the PCA regional board in many, many positions, including vice president, autocross chair, tourist chair, chief driving instructor, high-performance driver education program, to name just a few. And he's earned multiple class driving awards in autocross and time trials as well. Having fun in Porsches. That's what I love. So, Dan, I have told our listeners just a very little about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your business and, of
1: course, your passion for cars and driving fast? Well, thanks, Mark. Yeah, about my business, um, I've been involved in environmental consulting for many, many years. My own business has been going strong. For 21 years now. Wow. And prior to that, I worked for other consultants. And uh, the whole purpose of my business is to provide the best data uh, collection services that you can possibly get from people out in the field. I am literally the guy standing in the field, as in, I'm out boots on the ground at uh, special sites that special environmental needs. Uh, My specialty is in groundwater, both groundwater studies and contaminated groundwater investigations and cleanups. And I've also been involved with uh, technical world. Uh, Geotechnical engineering is where they prepare soil for construction. Okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah. My wife worked as a civil engineer
0: for 10 years when we were living down in San Diego. And, you know, she was all into uh fresh dirt, I used to say. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As preparing properties, she did big development, uh site plans and platting plans and things like that. So they could figure out how many houses to put on a big piece of ground. And I remember her uh, many days going out and playing in the dirt to see how things were going. So very interesting. But you also are a Porsche guy. And I'll let our listeners know, I met Dan when I was at the car week down in Pebble Beach. I was at the Concours. I was talking to a past guest, Dennis Hoyt, who's an artist. And I understand you're Dennis's wife, Susan's brother, right? That's correct. Yeah. And we started talking cars. And Dan is a guy that is really passionate about his involvement with the PCA. And I went, you know what? I think I'd like to have you on the show because you bring an interesting perspective from somebody who doesn't work in the car field, but has figured out how to wrap an awful lot of their life into their passion for cars. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's important to you. It's a nice way to get the uh, tires smoking around the track here on Cars, yeah? So Dan, take the wheel.
1: Well, uh, my favorite quote actually comes from a poem by Robert Frost. The poem is The Road Not Taken. And the line that really captured my attention was, two roads diverged in a woods. And I, I took the road less traveled Yes, And that has made all the difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how have you incorporated that into the way you've wrapped your passion for cars into your life?
1: Well, you know, I've always enjoyed cars. And the first time I was exposed to a Porsche, I was 10 years old. And a buddy of mine's dad had one. And just the sound of that car and the lines in that car really hooked me. And I always told myself, someday I really want to get one of those cars. And well, it only took 30 years, but I managed to get my hands on a Porsche and my world has not been the same since. (laughs) They're a wonderful machine and they're just absolutely a phenomenal engineering feat. As we all know, the engine's in the rear and they say that's poor engineering, excellently designed. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And, um, Really, uh, the whole Porsche scene in the last 17 years has really changed my view of uh, how I'm going to live my life and my spare time. And I have devoted a great deal of time and energy to learning how to drive the cars and then sharing my experiences with other members in a really great club, which is the Porsche Club of America.
0: Oh, yeah. I've been a member of the Porsche Club. Oh, my gosh. I think for 30 years now. Maybe longer. Actually, it has been longer. I hate to date myself here, but I joined when I was in high school because my good buddy Bobby bought a uh, 68 Targa and restored that car in his garage. And then he drove that off when he went to college. And then when he went off to join the uh, service when he became a pilot in the Marine Corps. Now, you talked about... You kind of answer the next question, rather, I should say, about what instigated your passion for cars, specifically Porsches. So that car that your friend's dad had, what kind of Porsche was that?
1: As I remember it, it was a late 60s, maybe early 70s 911 Targa. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Pretty cool. Beautiful, perfectly. Cared for, maintained car, and I, to this day, I remember the bright yellow color. It was either canary yellow or whatever yellow they called that era of cars, but just stunning little car.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I love those cars. The early 70s cars, the long hood cars are just fantastic. So nice way to start that passion for you. I think in some way, Dan, you and I have parallel lives here because growing up in San Diego, you've been there since the 70s. I was there in the 60s all the way through till I moved up here about 23 years ago in the Northwest. But we're both surfers and car lovers. And uh I'm, I'm sure our paths maybe crossed one or Two times at PCA when I was down there. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. Kind of walk us through that, but tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum in your career and or your business or your
1: passion for cars. Well, probably the greatest challenge I had through many years uh, was overcoming self-doubt and overcoming low confidence. Uh, Probably hard for you to believe, after talking to me and having the energy that I do, Yeah, that there was a time in my life where I was very, very skeptical of my ability to to survive in the world, and it was uh, having enough uh, interest and instigation to go away to college— that really turned my entire world around. I was the only child in my family at the time to go to college, and I was absolutely bound and determined to succeed. And it was getting out of the house and going to another town that I didn't know at all, and uh, and starting from scratch that has uh, really made all the difference in the world. And we get back to that whole Robert Frost thing about making all the difference in the world. Yeah. And it was really, really monumental thing to earn my degree, and then strike out on my own and survive. When I moved out of uh, my parents' house after high school, I never went back, even for summer. <laughs> and uh, it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So for me, the ability to overcome the fear of failure and to, uh, to turn self-doubt into self-confidence has probably been my greatest achievement personally.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking us to a really personal time in your life, but I'm hearing this story going, wait, this isn't the guy that I met in Pebble Beach. Because, (laughs) Because, I mean, you seem like a very confident, strong, outgoing, friendly. I mean, your smile just never stops. And we had such a great time. I felt like I could have talked to you all afternoon, but there was some cars to go look at, of course, there. Yeah. What would be your takeaway for some listener out there that might be facing this? Because all of us at some point in time, at least most of us, face that feeling of insecurity, that imposter syndrome when we're getting into a field that we think, oh, this is my field, but I don't know what I'm doing. I feel really insignificant, insecure. What's a great takeaway other than push yourself out of the nest and go, go someplace new? What's a good takeaway that you could share with one of our listeners to help them?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And I'll I'll use a surfing analogy because you surf, you understand this probably as well as anybody. You know, sometimes you're paddling out and as you paddle out, the sets come rolling in and the waves seem like mountains of water. (laughs) And your heart's in your mouth and you're paddling, you're scratching as hard as you can. And there's a party that wants to just give up. Jump off the board and dive down to the bottom and hold onto a rock and wait for that huge mountain to pass. And there's the other side of you that says, just keep paddling. Just keep paddling. You'll make it over the crest. And my answer to your question is, just keep paddling. You know, pay no attention to whatever negativity is thrown your way. Have the confidence to know what you know and just keep going for it. You know, what comes to
0: mind is one of the mornings I went out surfing with a next door neighbor of mine, Dan, and we went to Black's, the The waves were a little big that day, a little more, a little larger than I was really comfortable with. And I remember paddling out that morning and just thinking, I'm going to die. I mean, because every time, you know, Black's Beach, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a beach break. And those waves, when they break in front of you and they come in, there's a lot of water behind them. And you just get pummeled and you come up and you go, oh my gosh, there's another one. I'm never going to make it. But you're right. If you just keep going and just go, you know what, last one, another one, another one. Finally, you turn around, you look back at those cliffs and you go, I made it. I'm okay, I'm out here, I'm going to survive. So yeah, I like that analogy very, very much. I've been there, done that many times. That's oh it. my gosh, yeah, that beach almost killed me one day. That's a that's a nasty wave. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story that was kind of a career aha moment or a life-changing aha moment where you decided to take some new steps and go down a new path or to use that analogy of that Robert Frost poem, which is awesome, uh, A New Journey, New Trail.
1: Yeah. Well, my entrepreneurial aha moment came when I was working at a company that I really didn't like working for, at a job that I didn't really like doing. And I was working peripherally in the business of environmental consulting and discussing a lot of projects with a lot of my clients. And the overwhelming fact that that kept coming back to me time and time again is I was hearing that the people who were least qualified for doing certain jobs, were the ones being sent out to collect the most important thing, which is the data in the field. Mm. And over and over again, I kept watching these consultants shake their heads with frustration, saying, you know, the guy missed it. You know, he missed this and he missed that. And we're going to have to go back out and do a reassessment because they missed this. And so I was literally sitting at a business dinner with a couple of consultants and uh, we were talking about the business that I worked for at the time. And I said, hey, guys, I want to shift gears a little bit. You know, I'm just curious if you knew that there was a company out there that had highly skilled, trained professionals that have a great deal of experience and know what they're looking for. And they are going to go out for you back to the data that you need and they know what they're doing. Would you consider hiring a company like that? Uh, Yeah. And they all looked at each other and said, heck, yeah. Who is this company? We want to know. And I just smiled because I was still working at the time. I just smiled and I said, yeah, I'll get back to you about that.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And that was the instigation behind starting my business over 20 years ago.
0: You know, that's cool. And I think what's a a great example of that, I I have a lot of people talk about being lucky, but I always say, no, you're not lucky. You just uh, are prepared for when the right moment comes and you seize it. That sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. Very nice. I love it. Very cool. How about a proudest career moment or business moment or car moment?
1: Is there one that stands out for you? Oh, sure. I, I have both. I have really great car moments and really great business moments. So uh, probably in in the business sense, first of all, whenever I get asked to teach on a large proposal for a really important job, I'm always flattered by that. I always consider that a proud moment when somebody calls and says, hey, we want you to team up with us and throw in a bid for such and such project. That, to me, is the ultimate accomplishment in doing what I do. And I've had some really cool projects like that. For instance, uh, I spent the better part of five years working on what is now Petco Park, the oh, Padres Ballfield. Yeah. that was uh, That was one of my great first projects where I was called up and asked if I could help contribute to the project. Wow. And... I said, sure, what, what's going on? And when they told me the parameters of what was going on, I said, I'm all over it. Thanks for thinking of me. And quite honestly, it was that job that allowed me to buy my first Porsche. <laughs> nice. Uh, so it, it turned out to be a perfect hand in glove uh, situation. Yeah. Um, I had another I had another project. Uh, it was actually a military installation up uh, in Washington State, and um, the – Recovery system was having terrible problems because uh, it was being inundated with water when they were trying to recover fuel, and the water was fouling the recovery system. So I went up there and worked with the engineers for a couple of days, and we had to pull lots of equipment out and repair it and literally scrape barnacles off of some of it and put it back down in the holes. And I finally turned to one of the engineers during the day, and I said, so do we have a tide chart? Do we know what the tide is doing so that we can make the appropriate adjustments to this series of equipment? And there was a long silence, and the engineers looked at each other, and they looked back at me, and they said, we never took tides into consideration. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, this site is right on the Puget Sound. Yeah, duh. Duh. And they can experience anywhere from 6 to 10 feet of tidal change depending on the time of year.
0: Oh, yeah. Up here, it can even be more than that. The tide changes up here where I live in Gig Harbor, Washington, and Puget Sound blow me away sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, so long story short is I said, well, I think we need to reassess how these instruments are placed, and we need to take the tides into consideration. So I got big uh, big pats on the back for that, and the dark side of the story is – They needed somebody to go out and actually measure the water in the water wells that they had there during the extreme high and low tides. So guess who got elected to go out at midnight in the rain? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, having lived up here for 23 years, it does rain once in a while. up Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Sometimes it's the most obvious things. That people don't take into account. And, uh, you know, the fact that maybe the fact that you had fresh eyes coming in from another space and time, obviously your expertise is a big piece of that, but I uh, helped those folks along. So very, very nice. Yeah. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your first really special car. I'm guessing this is going to be a Porsche, but maybe not. And maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle.
1: Well, you're right. My first really special car, something more than just basic transportation, was my first Porsche. And I bought that car a couple of days after I had my 40th birthday. Nice. And I'd been driving pickup trucks and, and other work-type vehicles pretty much my life. And I said, well, you know, you know, it's time to drive something more. I was single at the time, by the way. And I said, time to drive something more on a date than just a pickup truck you know, with my <laughs> banner on the side. Yeah. So... um Thanks to some, some good luck with the work, with the projects i had, had, uh, I scratched up change. And the first 944 I owned was uh, a car that was brought out of the weeds in somebody's backyard out of Pasadena. And the uh, the owner decided he wanted to get it running enough to sell it. And so I got my hands on it for a song. And it needed a lot of work. And I put a lot of work into it. And... I enjoyed every moment of it. I loved working on that car. I loved driving that car. And the culmination of of success in that car was when I went up to Portland in 2006, and I took uh, basically a national title in, uh, in my class at the autocross.
0: Whoa, congratulations. That's very cool. You know, the 944 is such an interesting car to me because when Porsche came out with the 924, which actually was the car I drove to my senior prom, a friend of my mom's (laughs) had just bought that car when they first came out. He loaned it to me for my senior prom. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. This is so cool. That car was a little sluggish. Didn't have a lot of, I think, 90 horsepower or something. But the 944s, they were a whole different deal. And I have a good friend up here in the Northwest who just bought a beautiful 944 that had very low miles and just really nicely balanced car to drive and they
1: were very successful in racing as well yeah for their class they were very successful and it's because of what you alluded to with the balance of weight i mean they are just a beautifully balanced uh well apportioned car in terms of suspension and brakes and you know as cars go they're a little underpowered but you know the speed's in the corners and if you can Go through a corner with better grip than the other guy. It doesn't matter how fast he is on the straights. Right, absolutely. How about a seller's remorse story? Is there a car you've owned, you've let go that you wish you had back? There is. There is. I had an old uh, Jeep Wrangler for a while back in my uh, early 30s, and uh, you know that car was just a kick. I went all over Baja California in that Jeep, uh, <laughs> traveling mostly off the pavement uh, with the surfboard strapped to the racks and. A tent and uh, my camping gear in the back. I did a lot of exploring in that Jeep, and it was a wonderful car. And uh, there are many days when I wish I had it back again.
0: Oh, what fun. Again, you're bringing back some memories. I remember driving down in the weekends to Baja, California, K22, and further down, surfing, sleeping on the beach. Uh, for five bucks, you could get a lobster dinner, <laughs> rosary yep. to peach and another three bucks of beer to go with it. So yeah, what fun. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are some of the things you're doing with the Porsche Club this year that has you really excited and fired up or you're looking forward to next year?
1: Well, this year um, I continue to time trial with the time trial program. And this is the first year where I have been very, aggressive with my driving, more so than in the past. And this is the first year in several years where it looks like I'll probably take class um, if I continue to do well. Nice. I've managed to make it in the top 10 overall of all the time trials I participated in this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm very encouraged that if I keep driving the way I'm driving, I will hopefully podium for my class at the end of the year. And that'll be a nice trophy for the trophy rack. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. So tell our listeners out there that may not be familiar with this kind of driving and competing. What is this that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so time trials are drive events where you practice all day Saturday doing multiple laps at racetracks. So we go to racetracks like Button Willow, Willow Springs, uh, Spring Mountain, uh, Chuckwoola Valley Raceway, And during the practice sessions on Saturday, you are on the track with other cars, you're passing them, they might be passing you, and it's a very active uh, driving scenario. Uh, It's very fast. Uh, Willow Springs, for instance, uh, people go into turn eight at the bottom of the hill, well in excess of 120, 130 miles an hour. Uh, so a bit hair raising yeah, and, uh, especially when turn nine, you have to drop it to about 90 to a hundred miles an hour. So (laughs) it gets your attention. I bet. And then on Sunday you do practices in the morning again with other cars on the track with you. And then in the afternoon they tally up all of your practice laps. They grid the cars according to your best practice lap. And then they send the cars out one at a time and you take two laps against the clock with no other cars around you. So it's a test of your ability to be focused, drive a very technical line, and drive all out as fast as you can with no distractions. Cool. And what kind of car are you doing this in? So I currently have a 1983 911 SC that's been – somewhat aggressively prepared for track driving ah cool what fun what fun
0: well it sounds like a real safe way to go out and have some fun versus fender to fender where there's a lot less opportunity for cars to be damaged or accidents and so forth but still get out there and get that adrenaline rush and learn how to be a better driver at speed and uh yeah those tracks you're talking about there's some high speed corners in those tracks so
1: yeah, that's right. And and that's the one great thing that I really like about time trialing versus club racing or, or other wheel-to-wheel racing is that the rules of engagement in time trials are very, very strict for safety reasons. So yeah. you're only allowed to pass in zones that are approved for passing. And in most of the classes, um, you're only allowed to pass with a point by from the car in front. So if the guy in front doesn't point you by, you can't pass him. And this greatly reduces... Uh, lane diving and and corner diving and all the aggressive driving that you might see in a wheel-to-wheel situation but you're still chasing down cars and they're still chasing you down
0: yeah what fun what fun very cool well here's a very introspective question for you dan if you were a car what kind of car would you be
1: and why well if i were a car i'd be an f-150 pickup oh okay (laughs) there you go a workhorse yeah. If you were if you're talking about me, if I were a car, I'm an F one fifty pickup. Yeah. I'm large, I'm strong, I'm very reliable, and I need very little maintenance.
0: <laughs> well you put some nice thought to that. I like that. Very <laughs> honest answer. Yeah, we all want to be Porsche nine elevens or Ferraris, but uh in reality maybe not. So I appreciate where you went with that. Well, Dan, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's car's yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah! website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. all right, Dan, we are back, and we're earning what I call the last lap. You know what that means. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? A finish is a win. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, that's so true. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years?
1: Yeah, my mantra is, always stay ahead of it. Always stay ahead of your maintenance. Always stay ahead of your obligations and requirements. Always stay ahead of it. Absolutely. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, I would recommend people check out the Porsche Club of America if they're a Porsche owner or any car club of whatever mark they might own, whether it's a BMW or an Alfa Romeo. But the car clubs are really fantastic resources for anything from camaraderie to driving to finding parts and uh, answering esoteric questions
0: you know it's, it's a great great comment i'm a member of many car clubs and i found uh, many of my used cars through car clubs because those are the people that tend to take better care of their cars and once you become friends with all these folks you can start saying hey i'm looking for this kind of car and oh phil has one or dan has one or whomever so yeah car clubs are awesome now if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would it be it would be hurley haywood That's nice. Yeah, he's been a guest here on the show. In fact, I'm going to have him back next year because he's working on a book with Sean Cridlin, who's another guest here, photographer, about Hurley Haywood, which is going to be really cool. What is it about Hurley that uh, you admire so much?
1: Well, you know, I just keep seeing his name over and over again. He has a remarkable history in driving, particularly with the Porsches, and I'm impressed with his humility, I'm impressed with his driving skills and I'm impressed with his endurance. He is one of the older uh, racers out there, still really knocking it out and doing a heck of a great job at it. Yeah. And, uh, and he had a response to a question that I was really impressed with. He was once asked, What's the one word that you can use to describe successful racing? And he looked at the questionnaire and he said, Patience. Mm, yes. <laughs> and I just think that's brilliant.
0: Well, for an endurance racer, absolutely, and he is one of the best. I had so much fun talking to him, and I ran into him on the lawn at Pebble Beach the same day that I saw you and got to spend a little time talking with him and learned a little bit more about this book that's coming up. So, listeners, uh, look for that in the future. We're going to have him come back along with Sean so we can talk about this book because it's the first real, really great book that anyone's ever written on Hurley, which I'm so surprised because the guy is so prolific in his racing history, and he is a very humble, nice person, too. So. Now, how about a book? Speaking
1: of books, is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? There are. There are a couple of books. One of my favorite books, and I recommend it to everybody, is a book called Desert Solitaire by the author Edward Abbey. That's a new book here. Now, tell me about that book. Okay. Well, Edward Abbey was a uh, a writer who mostly wrote about the desert southwest. He was a conservationist in his writing. He wrote Desert Solitaire a couple of years after he spent a summer as a park ranger in what is now i believe national arches national park mm-hmm. and or arches national park now i think is what they call it and uh, it's just a phenomenal insight into one man from the digs of new jersey going out to this wide open desert environment and experiencing nature in a way that he never imagined possible and here he is working out by himself in this huge, uh, now, national park, living out of a trailer provided by the National Park Service for his shelter. And just his experiences are very well written. Wow. Awesome book. Now, was there a second book you were alluding to? There is. Same author, Edward Abbey. And it is called The Journey Home. And it is a series of short stories, some having to do with nature, some having to do with uh, other experiences in his life. uh, But they all tie into basic theme that he presents and it's another very well written book
0: awesome i love it when my guests suggest new books i remind our listeners you can find all these resources on dan's show notes page on the cars website just go to cars type in dan chambers and these two books and there's a great place on the site called guest recommended books under the resource tab where all the books recommended by my past guests are listed i've made it really easy just to click and buy so check it out uh those are two books i'll have to get my hands on and read they sound fantastic All right, Dan, we are up to the checkered flag. This is where it gets fun. I'm going to buy you any cool car today. doesn't matter what it is. Money's no object. Don't worry about that. But I want you to drive it and enjoy it. What would that car be and why?
1: That would be the Porsche 962.
0: Okay. You've made it expensive, haven't you? (laughs) Oh, the 962. Now, that's a very special Porsche. What is it about the 962 other than the obvious that you love so much?
1: Well, it has been described by many drivers as being one of the nicest cars to drive as a big winner. Uh, yeah. And it's a remarkable car in its engineering. It, to me, is the most beautiful car. I think one of the most beautiful cars Porsche has produced. The lines on that car, the silhouette on that car, just just capture my attention like no other car. And for a car to be that well-prepared, that fast, and look that good, I just really don't think there would be any other car that could hit all the buttons like that car.
0: I think so. Uh, you know what? I just so happen to know a guy named Bruce Canepa. He's been a guest here on the show. He's got one of those, a Rothman's oh. liveried car for sale. Oh. So. I'll have to give him a call, see if we can't uh, get him to unload that car, and I'll bring it down to you. Wouldn't that be fun? Great. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Wow, you picked a great one. One of my favorites, too. Oh, my goodness. Well, Dan, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in
1: that 962? Sure. So one of my favorite things to tell people, especially younger people that I've worked with in the past is strive to make yourself better in every way, every day. Think locally and act globally can apply not only to the environment, but socially as well. Improve upon yourself and you can help improve the people around you. If we strive for inner balance, peace and harmony, we will encourage the same in the people around us. Good vibes will always prevail.
0: Oh, if only the rest everybody in the world thought that way. We'd all be in a pretty darn nice place. But it's a great sentiment, and, yeah, it's a pretty simple thing to do, too, uh, especially in your own locale and around the people that you interact with. So very nicely said. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about your business and follow along with what you're doing?
1: Well, best thing to do is go to my website, which is www.chambersenvironmental.org.
0: There you go. Well, listeners, I'll put a link to that website on Dan's show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. And uh if you have any uh, inclination or fondness for Porsche, get involved with the Porsche Club. You don't have to own a car to get involved. You can go and participate, be a part of it. And when that day comes that you're ready to buy that special car, there's going to be plenty of friends that you've made that will help you find just the right car for you, for sure. That's exactly the way I did it. I joined when I was in high school, and I don't think it was till my Late 20s, I could finally afford a Porsche, by then I knew all the right people and ended up with a very cool car. Dan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It's been a great pleasure. This was fun. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents